0: All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And today I'm going to have a conversation with Eric Kurtz, who is a tech integration specialist for Stark County ESCs. So we're getting that cross service agency uh, conversation going here. He's in Northeast Ohio and actually recently paid a visit to us, Nebraskans, uh, as part of the Great Plains Google Summit, where it had an opportunity, I'm sure, to speak all things Google and uh, a number of other tips. Tricks and edtech tools, which is why we have them on the pod today. is an opportunity for us to learn maybe a few things going into the school year. Whether you're a staff developer who's looking for, you know, just that one little piece, that one idea that you can take away to support teachers, or if you're in the classroom yourself, great opportunity for you to maybe find some things to try out as the 22-23 school year is quickly approaching. And I know here we are in July that that's not what we want to hear, but it's all it's right around the corner. So I'm so excited that Eric's joining us today. Eric, thank you for being on the pod.
1: Well, thank you so very much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. And yeah, I was just out in Lincoln for the Great Plains Summit. This was my fifth time participating in that event. Uh, Two of them have been virtual the the last two years, but uh, prior to that, two years in person and this. And so, so, so nice to be back to see folks. Uh, That's an excellent uh, event and really had a great time presenting and learning from the other awesome presenters
0: that were there. Well, and I'm really looking forward to learning a little bit more today from you regarding some of the things, not only that you likely presented on uh, as a part of that summit, but specifically because I'm kind of a video instructional geek. I'm excited for us to talk about Google's new screencast app. But before we get into kind of those details and with that as a little teaser to where this conversation is going to go, for those that don't know you, Eric, can you give us a little bit of your backstory and education?
1: Oh, Absolutely. So um, I'm uh, heading into year 31 at the moment. So uh, the last uh, 30 years I've been in education and uh, the first seven, I was a teacher taught uh, middle school math, uh, seventh and eighth grade math and absolutely loved it but just also love technology as well. And so after seven years of teaching math, we had an opportunity uh, for a new position that was created in our our district, which now we think of as a tech coach or tech integration. So it was kind of new at that time. Um, We were just getting computers and uh, they decided, oh, we need somebody to help the teachers use them. And so I did uh, make a transition from uh, teaching kids to teaching teachers and uh, did that for another 14 years at the district. So I was 21 years at that district. And then the last 10 years, I've been doing the same thing, but now just at the county office. So I'm at the Educational Service Center. We serve about 35 school districts up here in Northeast Ohio and my job is to help support them uh, with creative ways to use technology in the classroom. So that's that's my day job. Uh, and then on the side, I do run the website controlaltachieve.com. That's where I share all my ed tech stuff. And uh, I do consulting and training uh, all around the country uh, for folks, whether virtual or in person, such as going out to uh, the Great Plains Summit as an example for that. So uh, that's uh, pretty much where I'm at right now. Still have about about five years uh, left in the uh, public education world, and I'm so so enjoying it. But uh, yeah, that's a little bit of my background there.
0: Yeah, and we're going to make sure to add that control all achieve site uh, into the show notes for this particular episode. Yeah. Be sure to look for that. Uh, and Eric, I'm going to go a little off script here, and I'm going to ask, given the duration of time that you've been in this tech integrationist role Have you seen there be a subtle shift in the way in which we think about integrating technology, just like kind of on that fundamental, maybe pedagogical level is where I want to go with this perhaps. And I don't mean to like lead you in that direction if you don't see that. But I I feel like in my own experience, there's been a little bit of an evolution in terms of how we think about bringing those things into the classroom. And I'm curious to know, over the span of your career as a tech integrations, have you seen that evolve? Well,
1: absolutely, yeah. I mean, so I understand what you're saying. As I'm old, I do get that. I under, I understand. Uh, uh, That's not where I'm going. No, no. My 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 grandson. I have two grandkids, and my um, I, I was just seeing. I was just at their house yesterday. They they live pretty close. And my grandson, out of nowhere, just said, "You're getting old." <laughs> <laughs> you noticing some <laughs> gray in my beard. And it's like, thanks, Gavin. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I've earned all these gray whiskers. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would say over time, we certainly have moved from looking at technology as a separate piece to something that is just part of everything we do. You know, early on when I first was a tech coach, it, it was a matter of trying to help people not see it as, okay, let's take a break and do some technology, or we've got to find somewhere to squeeze this technology in or something like that. And, you know, over the years, trying to make it more of no, 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 no. This is just something that makes us better. It, it, it helps all of us, whether it's as teachers or as students. And it's something that should be, I don't want to say invisible, but j- just, you know, integrated. I mean, because that's mm-hmm. the idea of tech integration. It should just be a part and that it's not an end in itself. It's it's the means to the ends. It's like, okay. If I'm a math teacher and I want to use technology, it's not that I'm trying to shoehorn it in and say, "Okay, I got it checked off. I use technology." No, no, we're trying to teach math, and so okay, we're trying to teach kids how to learn math and think creatively. And if technology can help with that, fantastic. Let's. Start at the end, go backwards and find the tool that helps with that or the tools, plural. It's not one size fits all. It's not every single student is going to, you know, like I love Google Slides. I love making stop motion animations with slides. That's a fun thing to do, but not every kid's going to want to do that. But if we say, okay, here's 10 options Pick the option you want to use to show your understanding of this concept, then with that choice, they're going to be able to really express themselves. And so, you know, I have happily seen that transition over time where technology isn't that odd thing. It's not the exception. It's not the thing we're taking a break to incorporate in, but it's becoming just more and more a part of how we do things day in and day out. Um, you know, having said that, uh, I've also seen new things come out constantly, right. you know, and so there are times where we have to pause and be okay. Let's get everybody caught up on the basics. When the pandemic hit, we had to go back to some basics, you know. And we had to do a lot of trainings and a lot of videos that were just okay. How do you use the buttons in Google Meet? How do you how do you set up a classroom? And some of that was really fundamental stuff, but that's important. It's important to be like okay meet people where they're at. That's where they were at. That's where the need was. So you meet them there. Well, now we're getting maybe back to, okay, let's go beyond that now. And let's talk more about creative ways to have kids you know, using the technology. But we had to take some time and just say, okay, let's pause and let's get everybody up to a comfort level with this. Um, And just like we're talking about today with the screencast tool, it's, you know, it's a new tool that's come out. And so, yeah, there's going to be some time to do instruction on the buttons. You know, how do you click it? How do you make it work? But then we want to move beyond that to say, so what then? So what can we do with it once we have that comfort level?
0: Oh, love everything about what you just shared there. And I think it's so important to establish that, that why. And I heard that uh, that we're really just trying to support classroom best practices, but appreciate too that attention to detail saying there's also the onboarding for the educator, which can be very meticulous. You're right. This button and yeah. right click here and yeah. that's that. Absolutely. And absolutely. I uh I, I love thinking about all the nuance that, that, that does go into kind of that onboarding. And uh, and another piece that you mentioned there too, which I mean it's probably worth sharing because this is really the backstory for why I reached out is I as I mentioned earlier, absolutely love the idea of teacher created video instruction because I think there's just an authenticity with that that you can't always fine when you go pull a video from somewhere else, um, particularly if you're going to run that in parallel to your direct instruction, uh, where students might, as you said, have the option to access where they're learning from, whether that's either this or that, or it's, well, I heard about it in class, and I have the opportunity to take this home and learn. If I, I think of secondary learners, for example, if you go to seven classes in a day, I maybe forgot what you said like class one, you know, period one of the day, and now I can like yeah. revisit that when I get home that evening. And uh, I noted there's a number of just really great features with this. Uh, and so, as technology has evolved here, and this screencast app is now out, can you tell us a little bit, Eric, about how educators might be able to benefit from utilizing this tool? Yeah, absolutely. You
1: know, so um, for those who aren't familiar with it, this is something specific for Chromebooks. I always want to make sure I get that out there right away. At the moment. It- Maybe we'll be able to see this used on, you know, other devices at some point, but at at launch, at launch, the screencast tool is a Chrome OS specific tool. So as a student or a teacher, you will need to grab a Chromebook to, to use this tool and to create these screencasts. And we've had the ability to do screen recording and uh, camera recording on Chromebooks for a while, but now it's all been brought together in one place. And so this is a tool that allows you to record your screen, either the whole screen or a portion of the screen. It allows you to record your webcam, move it around the screen or not. You don't have to have the webcam on. It allows you to record your voice. And while you're recording, it allows you to annotate on the screen, you know, so you can, you know, draw on the screen to show things. When it's all done, that all gets saved to your drive. So it's nice and convenient for that. And it generates a transcript automatically with the recording. Now, as the teacher, you can use that transcript for editing purposes. You know, we all make mistakes and, you know, we don't have a lot of time. And I think anybody who creates any kind of content, whether it's video content or audio content, You realize how much work goes into the final product that people may see a five minute video and not realize, you know, there were a couple of hours of work that went into that. Well, if you're recording it with the screencast tool and you make a mistake, It's okay. While you're recording, you don't have to stop. You just go hit pause for a second and then just start over with that sentence. Because when you get into the editor afterwards, you can look down through that transcript and find that sentence where you flubbed things up and you can just say, skip this. And it will just skip it. It'll just take it right out of that. So when the students watch it later, it's seamless and it skips right over that portion. So it saves you as a teacher a lot of time to go through and clean up that video afterwards without having to do fancy video editing, you're just editing the transcript as you do that. Now, when the students watch it or whoever the end user is, cause it's the students can do this too. This is a fantastic tool for our students to be using. It's not just for us as educators. We wanna put this power and this ease of use in our students hands. But when the end user watches this, they can click on the transcript to jump to different sections. Maybe it's a you know a twenty-minute video, and they need to get to just that spot that they needed to review. They can search the transcript, find the spot, click on it, jump to it. And the transcript can be translated as well. So if there's a student, maybe they're an, an English language learner, and you know you've recorded the video in English, well they can watch and hear you, but then they can also read the, the the transcript in their primary language. So all of that comes together here in this screencast tool. And since it's just the very beginning of it, I'm sure there's going to be more features that are going to come over time. But that's what we get out of the gate. As long as you're using Chrome OS version 103 or above, you should be seeing it. I mean, I've seen it for a little while now. Some people have said they still haven't, but I believe it is in the process of rolling out to uh, everybody at at this point. Um, So with that in mind, you know, that's, that's the mechanics of it. That's what the thing is. You know, what what can we do with a tool like this? And certainly I think one of the first things that comes to mind is what we've already mentioned, which is yeah, yeah, teacher created instructional video. Certainly that makes really good sense. As a teacher, if I want to create some instructional video, this is a a very simple way to do it. And then that could be uh, either the same lesson I'm giving just so the student can watch it asynchronously or watch it again later. Or it could be maybe a student who's struggling and they need to get some additional support. Or it could be for enrichment. You know, it could be an instructional video that goes beyond what we were doing in class for those who want to go a little bit deeper. And so, you know, that is certainly a pretty you know normal approach. We would think yes, instructional videos, you know, flipped instruction, enrichment, you know, uh, extra help, things like that. Having said that, though what's awesome to put this in the hands of our students as well, and letting our students use this tool to explain their understanding. You know, I was a math teacher. So I think about, let's say a student has, uh, maybe we're we're doing two-step equations. Yeah, I could give them a worksheet with 22-step equations on it and say, you know, fill this out. And that's fine. But when I look at it, uh, I don't know, maybe they did it. Maybe they copied it from somebody else. I'm not sure. And, you know, it's, it's 20 problems. And if they're doing them wrong, they've just reinforced, you know, the wrong choices twenty times. Instead, how about they pull up Jamboard, and how about they record themselves with the screencast tool solving two two-step equations? And as they do it, they tell me step by step what they're doing. They explain those steps. Well, now they're just doing two problems, but I'm getting so much more depth. I'm seeing if they made a mistake, why they made it, and if they really understand it. I'm seeing that, and so that's just one example, but it could be any content that would be great for students to have another way to show their understanding and also address some of those academic integrity concerns we have sometimes with technology, because now the student is putting themselves, it's their voice, it's their face, they are explaining it. And you can't just copy and paste that, you know, so that's good. Uh, Other things that come to mind, uh, how about personalized feedback? Um, maybe I'm grading a student's paper in, in Google Docs instead of, you know, just typing in some comments or using an awesome tool like Mote to leave voice feedback. What if I use the screencast tool and I just record the screen while I'm going through their document and talking to the student say, hey, this is really great, but in this paragraph, you need to take a look at this. And so here I'm creating a video while I'm scrolling through their document, giving them feedback. And then when it's done, I just grab the link from the screencast and I throw it into the document for them and send that back. And now I give them way more personalized feedback on their work. I think this tool would also be great for if a student needs to practice giving a speech, uh, or it could be for fine arts as well, you know, uh, singing a solo or practicing their instrument. I I understand students can be very nervous standing up in front of a class and and giving a presentation. So maybe this is a way we ease them into it. Say, okay, later in this year, yep, you're gonna stand up in front of the class and give some presentations, but for this first one, let's just record it. We're gonna have you record your presentation and that will help them be a little more comfortable with it to practice that. And on and on and on. There's, there's so many, so many things we could do. Um, one thing also is if you ever want to add videos to Google Slides and you want to record a video and put it into a slide, this screencast tool can be used for that as well, with just a little bit of a a little bit of a hack here. So, what happens when you record with the screencast tool is it does give you a link to play the screencast inside of the Chrome OS screencast tool but it does save the video straight to your drive as well. And so in your drive, you're gonna have a folder a Google Screencast folder that is filled with WebM video files. And that's that's the actual raw recording. So if you're in Google Slides and you click insert video, you can go to your drive and grab those WebM videos and drop them right into slides. And so in a sense, you're using the Screencast tool to do the recording, but then you're not using the Screencast tool to play it back. In that case, you're actually just putting the video then into a slide. But that can be awesome, whether it's you creating instructions videos for the students, or again, Let's say you want to do something where you want all your students to answer a question of the day or respond to a question or a prompt. You could have a Google Slideshow where every student gets their own slide in the slide deck. And then they just use the screencast tool to record themselves answering. Then they insert the video from their drive right into the slide. And then every student has their own slide with their video and their answer there. You know, awesome. So, so, so many possibilities come to mind. Those are just a, a few things that uh, I was thinking of as how we might be able to use this this new tool
0: gosh Eric a few things there's like six (laughs) that's great and I uh, I'm with you I've been since my time in the classroom a big advocate for videos in a myriad of different capacities like this and so maybe another little tip would be to say that if it's a little overwhelming for you to do this kind of work, maybe thinking about as your school year starts off collaborating with those people that at your grade level or in your department uh, on sharing in that content creation load, because as you said, Eric, it can take a little bit of time to put these pieces together.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, I will say, though, done is better than perfect. You know, there's that there's that that phrase, you know. Yes, you could spend a lot of time uh, creating videos. Uh, I think all of us that that do content creation, we we certainly want to do our best at it, but at the same time, don't stress yourself out too much. I, I try to tell folks, you know, listen, you're going to make mistakes. It's okay. You know, laugh it off, roll with it. It shows the students that you're not afraid of failure, <laughs> that that we all are human. We're all lifelong learners. It doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah, we want to do a good job and we want to provide a good video. Um, but if if you're so worried about, you know, well, it's not going to be good enough well, then you're not going to end up doing it. And and that's worse that you didn't because we need all these voices out there, and I think that's something I'd absolutely want to encourage teachers to do: is don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> we all we all make mistakes. When I was doing webinars years ago, starting out doing that, it was really uncomfortable. This was, you know, I don't know when I first started at the county office, like ten years ago. That was one of the big things we were doing was was webinars because you serve thirty five districts. You know how do you how do you reach thirty five districts? Well, you do recordings. And it was so awkward to be sitting at a computer recording. And it just was so foreign to be doing that. And some of those early webinars, I just think are terrible. <laughs> I look back <laughs> at them, but they weren't though. They were still, they were providing good ideas to the teachers. And I was learning and I was getting more comfortable with it. And now I think we're all a, a lot more comfortable, but Great. yeah, definitely want to encourage folks to, you know, don't be so hard on yourself, just get it out there. It's good, good stuff
0: you know, it makes me think too. another potential place to kind of practice and maybe build your chops as far as what you feel comfortable with. I love when, when there is an assignment, let's say that has a myriad of steps to it, like a big project where on page one, it's supposed to have this on page seven, it's something different. you can just do uh, videos about the directions, right? It doesn't have to even be teaching content and you can kind of practice in little smaller snippets uh, and students, For those that prefer learning through that medium, you might find that they actually do a lot better job of that versus going through the three or four sentences that sometimes you're like, it was right there. And you get so frustrated as a practitioner, but uh, those videos can really help uh, in some of those spaces.
1: Oh, no no that's a, that's a fantastic suggestion yeah using whether it's you know video or audio as supplemental support for students in the instructions absolutely that that provides additional accessibility for our students and support for them um, so right I think that's a great place to use this tool as well love it.
0: Um, you know, why have you on the line here, Eric, while we're yeah. chatting via zoom, of course, I've got to ask too, uh, about some other things, because I know that you're, when you travel to present, it is just a myriad of different tools, tips, tricks, uh, your expertise goes far beyond Google screencast app. <laughs> so if you had to recommend a few more things, as we continue to move through this episode, what, what would you suggest, I guess, the teachers look into as we enter the school year?
1: Absolutely. So um, I I guess one, one of the big questions that I do get asked from time to time is, how do I stay on top of new things? How do I find ideas? How do I learn? How do I grow? Where do I get these ideas for the classroom? And everybody's got their own method. Maybe somebody is a podcast listener and that is the main way and they say I subscribe to 50 podcasts <laughs> and I, I learn new things from them. Fantastic. Maybe somebody's like, I have you know found these amazing, you know, YouTube channels, or I'm part of an awesome Facebook group, or I'm finding, you know, educational videos on TikTok or whatever it is. Um, we all need to find what works for us, but I, I do like to share something that has worked for me. And if it's something that other people want to replicate or modify and use, and that is using a tool called Feedly. Uh, So years ago, Google used to have a tool called Google Reader. I don't know if people will remember Google Reader, but it was one of the ones that unfortunately went to the Google graveyard. It got shut down. And so I had to find a replacement and I found a tool called Feedly at Feedly.com. And here's the idea behind these tools. What they are is they're technically called RSS readers or RSS aggregators. And uh, that seems a little bit scary maybe at first, but all it really means is it's a way Way to bring content to you rather than you having to go out and get to it. And the content I'm talking about specifically is websites and blogs. There are amazing websites and amazing blogs out there shared by educators all over the country. It's all over the world. And sometimes it's ones that we, we know really, really well. You know, you think of Matt Miller and Casey Bell and people like that, you know, but it's also, you know, just a teacher at a school who maybe posts once or twice a month and they don't think anybody reads it. I'm reading it because <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. So, but here's the idea you know, I've come across over the years well over 100, 150 blogs that I really, really like how on earth could I ever possibly check on all those? I mean, that would be, you know, when I do have a giant bookmark list and try to click down through all of them, And it would be so hard to manage that. So what an RSS aggregator does is basically I go to Feedly and I just click and say, I want to, you know, add a new feed. And when I come across anybody's blog, I'm like, hey, Gonna throw it into Feedly, and then what happens is whenever I go to Feedly, I can come in here and click on. I've I've organized things into some categories. So I've got a Google category, an EdTech category, some subject area specific categories. But when I click on EdTech, for example, I've got well over a hundred different blogs that are in that category, what Feedly will do is it will show me the headlines for all of the blog posts from all of those blogs in chronological order. So if I haven't checked Feedly in two days, like today, I think it's been a couple of days since, um, yeah, it says two days ago. Uh, So if I go to Feedly right now and I click on EdTech, there's at the moment, there's 86 unread blog posts. Now I'm not going to read 86 blog posts, but what I'm going to do is I see all 87 titles, you know, for those. And, you know, I I start going through and it's like, oh, what do we have here? As I'm just looking at it right now, you know, some of them, some of them aren't going to be something that I'm going to pursue any further. But as I'm clicking down through, I'll be like, oh, that one looks interesting. You know, I'm not sure about that one. Then I go, oh, here's one about something new, a back to school collection from Google Supply Digital Skills. Oh, I didn't know they had that, you know, and that's from Steve Wick. And I'm like, oh, cool, Steve posted. And so this is how I keep my finger on the pulse because we're all doing a little bit. Every one of us is adding something. And then all together, I don't have to go visit 150 blogs. I go to one link feed, and I just go click, 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 through the headlines. And when I come across one, I go, oh, that looks interesting. I'll read it and then I'll tweet it out. I'll put it in the agenda for the next GEG Ohio meeting. I'll put it into one of my subject area documents that I share monthly with my schools. And that's, that's how I come across these things. So, you know, first of all, I want to thank all of those amazing educators who are still putting stuff out there and putting stuff on their blogs and doing that. I, I love Feely, though, for making this possible. It's a one-stop shop. I go to one place and I can just see everything all at once. And so it is free for up to a hundred blog feeds. I have more than that. So I do pay, but it's like a couple of bucks. It's nothing big. But you know, somebody can go to Feedly, set up an account totally for free, and they can put in, you know, up to a hundred blog feeds and have one spot to go get them. And if folks do want a starting point, I did do a blog post a while back where I listed 75 of my favorite edtech blogs. And that link is uh, bit.ly slash 75 edtech blogs. It's like the number 75. So that'll take you to a blog post I did where I list at that point, you know, 75 of my favorite edtech blogs. And that'd be a great place for people to get started if they want to start grabbing some of those and throwing them into Feedly and then staying in the loop on, on all of these great ideas. So might work for some folks. If it does, it really has saved me a a lot of time and allowed me to hear from voices all over the world that are sharing awesome ideas.
0: Wow, that is uh, a suggestion that is very much in that vein of uh teach a person to fish instead mm-hmm. of giving them one. Right. So, yeah, there you so go. Th- thank you for that. And I will reiterate too that we're gonna put probably more links in this show notes for this show than than most or any of the ones we've done to date. And I'll try to go back through. And I know you have a video on the screencast app, yep, sure we'll put the link to Feedly on there, yeah. along with the blog post that was just referenced. And so if you Perfect. need a quick reference to these yeah, we'll go ahead and, and compile those. And so now, now Eric, I got to ask, what have you come across on Feedly recently? Or what, what has oh, Feedly sh- pointed you to, is probably <laughs> a better way of saying it, that uh, you have sure. found intriguing as an ed tech tool? Well, yeah,
1: um, I'm just going to pull up the GEG Ohio agenda I'm working on for August. I'll pull up some of my subject area documents and, and, and that's, we'll, we'll take, I'll take a quick look and see some of the stuff I've seen recently. Um, Uh, One I came across was a website called nosignup.tools, that's the address, nosignup.tools, it's a curated collection of web-based products that do not require an account or registration, that was a cool one that I got from somebody sharing on Feedly, I thought that one was pretty awesome. Another one I came across recently was Geo Artwork. This is a tool from Google that's a mix up of like Geo Guesser, where you're trying to guess a location on Earth, with Google Arts and Culture, where basically it gives you a painting, and by looking at the style of the painting, you try to guess where on Earth it was painted. And if you're not sure, you can get some hints, including like the title of it and who the artist was. But then you click on the map and say, "I think this is where it was painted," and then the you know it, it sees how miles or kilometers you were away from the real place. So it's like geo guests are mashed up with Google Arts and Culture. That was an awesome one that I came across recently and really enjoyed. Um, other ones, <laughs> there's a cool website I came across through these resources called Emoji Mix. Google has a tool called Emoji Kitchen, which is on Android phones where you can pick two emojis and it will mash them up and make a new one from it. Well, somebody made a website called Emoji Mix, where it can do that on the web as well. And so this could be a really neat way to inspire students to write creative, like, okay, you got to pick two emojis, you got to mix them up in that new emoji, that's going to be the thing you're going to use as your writing prompt, or we're going to use as a as a, a starter for a, a class discussion. So that's, that's cool. Oh my gosh, on and on and on and on down the line. <laughs> Those are just a couple quick ones that I saw recently that I've added to some of my running documents here where I uh, try to collect resources for, for folks. So those are just some examples of the kind of thing you're going to come across when you're using tools like, like Feedly to pull in all of these blogs.
0: Well, I love that. And that emoji mix makes me think too, of the SEL potential there of saying, yeah. you know, take uh, like understanding that emotions, you sometimes are layered, right. As yep. the movie inside out has taught
1: <laughs> there <you> me. Go. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> there you go. I love it.
0: Uh, yeah. but, uh, so yeah, so thanks for sharing those. And I, uh, you know, I, I, say this all too often that 30 minutes goes incredibly fast. Uh, yes. <laughs> so you're having a great chat. And so, um, I will say this though, Eric, I do want to leave a little space at the end for us to talk, uh, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to two things. Cause I don't know which of these questions to pick. So I'm going to, maybe this will run a little longer than we typically go. But the first would be to say, as the ESUCC is a service agency level institution here in our state of Nebraska, Um, and you obviously work at a state service agency as well. Can you maybe speak a little bit to when you're referencing this document that you have for Ohio that you're like, like maybe speak at that level a little bit about some of the ways in which you're able to collaborate and share ideas with others across uh, your service agency and amongst others in your state?
1: Yeah. So one of the one of the documents I was referencing was uh, GEG Ohio, the Google Educator Group of Ohio. Uh, GEGs have been around for a long time. They're basically grassroots type um, organizations. Google is hands off with them. They asked, they said, hey, we'd love for these to exist, but we want you guys to run them. We want teachers and ed tech folks to run them. So uh, every state should have a Google Educator Group and they all do them differently. There's no like, like oh, you must do it certain way. Everybody finds their own way. With Ohio, uh, we've got four folks around the state. Uh, Now, one of the other speakers at the Nebraska uh, Great Plains Summit uh, was Stephanie Howell, who is one of my co-leaders with the GEG Ohio. She's a uh, ed tech person in in Pickerington, which is close to Columbus, central Ohio. Uh, But then I also got John and Sarah from around the state too, who help out with this. And basically what we do is, once a month, we have a live video stream where we, uh, for about two hours, they're pretty long meetings, but two hours, we cover everything new in Google from the last month. And then we share a show and tell section of ideas and cool things we've come across. And then there's a QA section where we take questions from people. And I have a document. Uh, so each month, you know, I'll start an agenda document for that month. And then John and Sarah and Stephanie and I add to it throughout. The month, and we, you know, anytime I open up Feedly, oh, here's some cool new things. Boom, 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 boom. I just copy and paste them into that document, and that becomes our agenda. And so, even though it is an Ohio based thing, everybody's welcome. Anybody can attend. It's usually like the typically the last Thursday of the month. The link for that is bit.ly slash GEG Ohio, and anybody is absolutely welcome to join us for that. Of course, now I just said that I want to make sure that is what it is, GEG. I don't think there's a dash in it. Nope, it's just bit.ly slash GEG Ohio. Uh, you can, you know, join us for any of those. And if you can't join live, it's fine. The meetings are recorded and people can watch them, you know, at their own leisure and, and, and go through the agenda with that. So that's one way that we've got folks from four corners of the state working together collaboratively throughout the month. And then everybody who joins in live is contributing and sharing ideas. And somebody asks a question in the document, and we don't have the answer, but somebody else who's watching does. And that's the beauty of it is all of us working together. We're not in a competition here. We're all just trying to reach the ultimate goal of supporting teachers and having a kid go home and saying, I did something awesome today in school. Look what I created, look at what I learned, look at what I did, you know, and so that's what we're trying to do. And uh, I love having that that collaborative atmosphere that that we've been able to, to foster through that.
0: Wow, that's, uh, that's inspiring and something that I already thinking of some application for that type of model into some of the things that we're doing, particularly I'm looking at you blended learning group, uh, as we've been talking about some things we can do to continue to share more, uh, in the midst of our meetings and get some ideas out. So that's, that's terrific. And uh, I did say, I was going to, I had a second question. Sure. And so my, my, my last one, I guess here to, to close things out would just be to say, do you have any sort of message that you would uh, leave for whether it's service agency folks or school leaders Uh, classroom practitioners as we get ready for this upcoming school year. What's um, you could also say, too, maybe what's been at the like forefront of your thoughts. You know, I think sometimes it, it, that takes a little bit of the doesn't have to be this kind of lofty big thing so much as because you visit with a lot of folks, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and again, we could go so many different directions with this. Uh, I, I will I will say one thing just because it, it, it was a recent thing that caught my attention mm-hmm. and we've already referenced it. So it's kind of a call back to something we mentioned earlier, but it's about meeting people where they're at um one of these days i might end up making a blog post about this or something i don't know i may think through it you know I'd maybe title it something like simple is not bad or i don't know how i would say it i have to find the right words for it but what happened was, <laughs> and so uh, it was. A, it was a little personal, but I, I had done a blog post about using the new drop-down chip tool in Google Docs to create close reading activities, and it was cool. You know, so it was a fun, neat application of that. And somebody does not matter who; it doesn't matter at all. Some somebody posted something online, kind of ridiculing it, saying, "Oh my gosh." we were doing this 15 years ago with, you know, websites, making closed activities. Is this really where ed tech has, has gone to in 15 years? And I wrote back to that person personally. And I, and I said, listen, it's about meeting people where they're at. Yes. There are folks who this is too simple for them. They're they're doing other things or whatever, but you know what? There's also folks who aren't all that comfortable Maybe they just have switched to Google Docs. Maybe the pandemic pushed them into this, you know, needing to do more with this. Or maybe they're new in teaching, or maybe they've been in teaching a long time, but now they're, they're trying to get into tech a little bit. And they're going to look at this and go, okay, I, I remember close reading activities. I know what those are. I'm a little comfortable with Docs. I've been using it. Ah. This is really cool. I could, I, I could do those. And if that meets that person where they're at and then they become comfortable with that, then yeah, then they're going to explore the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And I just don't get the idea of people giving folks a hard time by saying this isn't advanced enough. It's like looking at the, the, the SAMR model and saying we can only do R. No, S and A are okay. It's not, the SAMR model is not bad to good. It's different levels and they're all good. They're all good. They all can be used in good ways, you know? And so I, I don't like gatekeeping. I like gate, gates wide open. It's like, listen, let's meet people where they're at and whatever you want to share yeah it goes back to that if somebody's like oh i'm afraid to share something online because i think it's too simple or it's too advanced no share your stuff because we need all of those voices all of those ideas and so i guess that's just my my encouragement is you know hey edtech folks be nice <laughs> <laughs> don't quit gatekeeping Mm -hmm. It's all about sharing ideas at all levels, meeting people where they're at, because every little bit moves us all forward. And that's a good thing. It's all good. So
0: if people could see me, I would stand up and applaud. I'll stay seated because it's (laughs) an audio only. But but Eric, that's uh, that's so speaks to the fact that this is an art, right? you pick up influences where you can to move your own uh, sensibility and style forward. And so that's fantastic. I'm really grateful for that message, uh, for the opportunity to visit with you today, uh, for you to share on things that I get really geeked about like screencasts and being able to uh, create video content uh, along with the, the Feedly recommendation, which is certainly something that I'm going to double back to. And so I'll just say thanks for being at the Google summit. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for being on the pod today. And thank you for all the great ideas that you shared for helping us uh, be better together through this conversation. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me.